0: I just think right now women, especially in business, this is the year of women, I just know that.
1: Life begins at
0: 150 grand a year, life gets better at 250 and life gets real good at 500. Nobody can tell me differently on it. When you start teaching something, I feel like that's when you start to master the actual art of it.
2: Heather Havenwood.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. I'm very excited to have you here. My name is Heather Havenwood. I'm a marketing coach. And today we have someone really special today. So Garrett, while you can go ahead and do your thing. And I'm going to introduce this guy to you, which I think is really cool. We've not known each other since 2009, which is a very long time in the world of business, I think, today. And we our paths crossed again recently when Don went to a chiropractic event and he was speaking on wealth and focusing on how entrepreneurs really can create more wealth with the money that they're making in the profitability. And that is what I'm excited about today. More importantly, I interviewed Chris Mercer. I saw that already on the win. And Chris Mercer, of course, brought up Garrett in the middle of the interview. So our, our paths have crossed many times. And I guess that was an omen to say, okay, fine. I will interview Garrett. And I now have his book and I'm going to be reading it. So Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and be doing a little intro here on who we're going to be talking to. And we're on Facebook Live today. So right now, Facebook is out there gathering you. Uh, You're going to be listening to us also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and many other places. So here we go. I'm going to introduce you to Garrett Gunderson. Garrett is a chief wealth architect at Wealth Factory and author of the New York Times bestseller, Killing Sacred Cows. Wealth Factory helps entrepreneurs optimize cash flow, streamline their finances, and keep more of their hard-earned money so they can make more powerful investments in their best wealth creator which is their business which I totally agree. Garrett has appeared multiple times on ABC News now, Your World with Neil Cavetto on Fox, which I love Fox, huge fan, CNBC Squad on the Street and more. His first firm made the Inc 500. Okay, Garrett, thanks for being here.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. It's uh, you know, it was funny before we started talking about how long ago it was that we actually met and where it was because I thought it was a Glazer Kennedy event. But then it was actually before that at an event in LA. And we're still trying to kind of figure that, <laughs> that out.
0: Yeah, it was some some room in a hotel room with a bunch of people presenting. <laughs> That's all I
1: remember. <laughs> One of those right. conferences Along the way. Yeah,
0: Right, right. So so good to see you again. And this is not Fox News. It's not yet. Okay. But you know,
1: who knows? No, that means I can swear if I want to. Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> you can
0: swear, whatever. Robert Murdoch is not going to come down on you whatsoever. There's no
1: i ble- a little passionate around the topic of finance, which it needs some life bred into it. It gets a little boring and drab sometimes, but I promise that it won't be that way because I'm here to put money in people's pockets, not take it away from them. Like, uh, unfortunately, a lot of finance is.
0: Okay, so first of all, I completely agree with you because I just was watching Fox Business and CNBC. They add, do add their little you know, things to it. But yeah. if you really listen to a financial person, they're like literally the most boring person on the fucking planet, right? Like mm mm-hmm. and the talks are up today and we find that the it's US- I'm like, come on, really? So I love the fact that you're unique, you're different, you actually have energy. You're a great communicator. So for that I'm Thank God, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I think it's hilarious as you watch these things. By the way, when you say I was on CNBC, I actually got kicked off CN- CNBC because apparently you're not allowed to say not to put money in the stock market because then they cut to the commercials. Like they have all this technical, boring crap, and then they cut to the commercials of people frolicking around in the ocean, skipping rocks, drinking beer, living this wonderful retirement life. But everything else is so like te- like just makes it feel impossible for the you know, average business owner to figure out because they want you to rely upon them. And so my job is to bring some entertainment and simplicity, but at the same time, it's a pretty serious topic. So bring real, real results along with that too, that it's not just, you know, I I don't mean to say it in a joking way. I just want people to have the courage to confront it because business owners just figure if they just earn more money, that solves everything. And sometimes like Biggie Small says, more money, more problems, you know, I wanna make sure that we fix the leaky bucket.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, I'm just for right now in my business, I'm recently, maybe that's why I'm watching CNBC all the time, because I feel like if I'm watching CNBC or something like that, I feel like I'm I'm being a part of it. But at the end of the day, I'm not. Because a lot of that has to do with, I don't know where to start. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get there like, okay, now I'm profiting, I got some profit, I feel like I'm saving now, because I invested whatever they invested. They're building something now, they're building campaigns. But they look at what's happening in the market and there's like this fear, for me anyway, I'm an internet marketer, I don't know where to go. And I've been burned before, let's just be, I've totally been burned. I used to have a big 401k, like is it there anymore? No, it's gone, right? So, and that was like when I was 25. So now I'm like looking at how do I rebuild this? How do I do this in a way that hopefully I'm not paying a lot of taxes because I don't want to pay taxes. I'm not a 401k girl really because I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not part of a big company where I'm putting little dollars away. So how do I do this? And it's kind of a big question. So how do you help people get started if they're not coming to you with like a million dollars? Like I think a lot of financial advisors want, they just want to hand over a million dollars. How are you different? And how do you work with entrepreneurs?
1: So yeah, that's a a big question. So interrupt me if I go too long, because I have a lot to say about the topic. First off, when it comes to, you know, entrepreneurially investing, it's different than the average person that's on a W-2. Because entrepreneurs have more complexity and they also have more opportunity. There's complexity from the standpoint of you have more tax things that you have to deal with. But at the same time, the opportunity is you can save a lot more in tax because you own a business. So before you start sending money away to retirement plans that lock your money away, that partner you with the government, which can change what their percentage ownership is in the future of that plan or what share they take before Mm -hmm. you put it into other companies that you know nothing about in boardrooms that you've never been in and without understanding what the exit strategy is or the fee structure, like all this kind of stuff, I'm giving people permission not to fund their retirement plan, especially if you own a business.
0: Yay! Freedom! So,
1: so here's what people could do instead.
0: Okay, what's it do instead?
1: I'm gonna keep it like really basic, but this is really powerful, so this is gonna be actionable. When you pay yourself from your business to you personally, You need to just pay yourself first. As simple as that sounds, this is one of the most important things in the world of finances to pay yourself first. What that means is go to your financial institution and you set up a separate account that's not your personal checking or your business checking account. And I like to call that a wealth capture account. So every time you take money from the business to distribute to you personally, you wanna have a consistent percentage automatically go to that account. We use a PEO called Insperity. So I actually have them send two checks every time payroll comes out one to my personal account, one to my wealth capture account. The objective would be to put 18% into this wealth capture account, not of your business revenue, but of your personal income. And the reason for 18% is we need 3% just to handle the potential increase in taxes sometime in the future. 3% because inflation confiscates our purchasing power over time. 3% because of something called planned obsolescence, which just basically means shit breaks down, and you have to replace it. So you're gonna need money for that. I mean. We we have a Viking dishwasher when we bought our new house. That thing sucks. I think there's actually real Vikings in there licking the plates and making them dirty and like being on them or something. So we had to go replace that. That's, that's why there's 3%. And there's 3% for propensity to consume, which means a luxury once enjoyed becomes a necessity, Heather. I don't know if you agree with that, but all I know is I grew up in motels, and I don't stay in motels anymore, right? I like to stay in – we're heading to Denver to stay in a Four Seasons tomorrow. I would much prefer that. Over a motel six, and I'm not going back, so that's propensity to consume and the last uh, two, three percent pieces to get to the eighteen percent is technological change because even homeless people have cell phones these days, so you, have, you know you've got to have that cash, and the last three percent I think is what people will like the most. When you go set up this account, you can actually set up another account and I label it my living wealthy account, so eighteen percent goes off the top into this account, but then I take one sixth of it and I put it in a living wealthy account. And these are the rules, guilt-free spending. So one-sixth of what I'm paying myself first for goes to take care of my greatest asset, which is me, to make sure I'm enjoying life along the way, not waiting for some stupid notion called retirement, but instead celebrating wins, spending money how I want to spend it, if that's buying clothes, if that's wine, if it's upgrading on a flight or whatever it is, whatever it is for you, you now have permission to go and spend it because if people so-called diet, you know, I see your site, you're like rated, to pop someone's head off with those biceps. I mean, if someone constantly just deprives themselves 100% of the time, they eventually probably rubber band and go to a point where they just binge or something. So Mm -hmm. I feel the same way about finances. You've got to reward yourself along the way. So this is simple to start with and we'll build from here. But if people will start with automatic savings, once that money starts to build in that account, they can deliberately and intentionally invest rather than just throw it to the wind and hope a 401k gets them there, which is going to sorely disappoint them.
0: Okay, great. So I love this. I'm going to take it one step back, right? So you said something really interesting beforehand, which we have a lot of people that I know, solo entrepreneurs, okay, who don't have, I think you said you had a payroll. So I want to take you back to that level. If you have a, let's say an LLC, a solo entrepreneur, maybe you don't have a ton of employees, maybe you have freelancers, right?
1: Yeah, contractors or, yeah.
0: Yeah. So how would you do that? So the flow, like give me the flow from that point. How would you pay yourself from there?
1: And so this is a mistake a lot of business owners make is that they don't pay themselves because their business has an insatiable appetite. It's always looking for more money. There's always ways to improve our business. But if you're not rewarding yourself and you're not taking care of yourself, then you burn out.
0: Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Are you a business owner that has a website but not tech savvy? Do you feel like a hostage to your web guy? The better question is, do you have a money funnel so people come to your page and give you money while you sleep? No? Then go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Imagine having a money site, not a website, for your self-published book, e-commerce products, local practitioners like chiropractors or lawyers. Get a money site, not a website. Go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood.
1: I think a lot of business owners do what I call redlining, where they're constantly shoveling money back in to try to grow this thing instead of so saying, I'm going to take a certain percentage and just make sure that I'm taking care of my basic living situation rather than writing everything off in the business. So, it, you know, you pay your contractors and everything out of your LLC, but you want to take at least a minimal salary. That comes out of that LLC. That's part of what you should do. I mean, and just say, what would it take to replace you for, you know, the, the cheapest way to replace you if you had to hire someone, pay yourself at least that amount. And then you can always take distributions above that. And it's when that money gets transferred in your personal account. I think that people abuse their business and write everything off, spend everything from their business. But you know what? You could pierce your corporate veil because if you ever get audited or, you know, if anyone ever sues you, they might be like, why are you spending everything out of your business? So you could even just have one card that you you, you charge everything for the business and a personal card just to kind of make keep it simple, elegant in that way. But look, I just I think you want to get yourself set up on payroll so that you're making sure to pay yourself. And guess what? If that paycheck ever can't be made because of cash flow issues, rather than hurting yourself, because this is a, another huge mistake business owners make, instead of paying themselves they'll not pay themselves and still pay everyone else. They won't fire anyone, they won't reduce anything else. So they become the cheapest labor, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not what you wanna do because it creates really bad habits for you inside of your business because of your love for it, you're willing to do whatever it takes, but everyone else starts to rely too heavily on you. So I make sure to pay myself for anything I would pay anyone else for in my business. And that's what I do distributions with, like if I were to do a sales call or if I were to speak at an event. I want to get paid for those things because otherwise it'll go into a black hole of business and never end up in my personal life.
0: Okay, got it. So this makes sense to me. So you have an LLC, money's coming from your business. You do pay your vendors, but then you also, with that you do what you call it a payroll, payroll to your personal account. But then from your just, personal account- You can account- be
2: writing
1: that check. Yeah. You personally okay. writing the check to yourself and depositing that check. You're just switching accounts.
0: Switching accounts. Okay, great. And then you have that personal account. And then from that, you take another 18% to another account.
1: Correct. Right. people might be going like, man, I hate this guy. How am I going to come up with 18%? You know, I got to now, you know, live off rice and beans and blah, blah, blah. No, here's the deal. You get more efficient with your money. 93% of business owners overpay on their tax. If we can get that money back, that becomes part of that 18%. Almost everyone hasn't optimized their cash flow. If they have loans, they're paying too high of an interest rate because they don't have the right credit score or cash flow reporting. Or they have hidden fees or commissions within their investments. So they have money trapped inside of a 401k or they have duplicate coverages or costs with their insurances. So what I want to do is rather than ask you to scrimp and sacrifice or work harder, I just want to find with some financial insight ways to put that money back into your life. So it doesn't mean that you have to wait and sacrifice. I hate that word sacrifice in business. I think business owners get addicted to sacrifice and never really enjoy the fruits of their labor over time.
0: So would you consider yourself a financial advisor or are you more something else? I don't even know what that would be. What do you consider yourself?
1: we're probably more on the consulting side than the advising side like advisor just tells you what to do i kind of look at it like it's a two-way street but what i designed my entire firm after was the this rockefeller family office system where if you're worth 50 million dollars or more you can go hire a family office and you have accountants and attorneys and investment advisors and fiduciaries and everything sitting at one table working on your behalf for your finances but a business owner that might have good revenue but not worth you know, huge amounts of money outside of their business is not gonna get that kind of advice. So what I did was I created a curated network of all those professionals. We call that our accredited network. And then I have a group of coaches, some are called financial architects, some are called wealth engineers, some are business scale strategists, or some are results facilitators that ultimately help design the plan. And then we bring in the actual professionals that can analyze it and implement it. So it's not just coaching, it's around results and implementation. So it's pretty comprehensive and we actually don't manage money. We don't tell people, Hey, go put your money in a 401k. Our job is to find money and have it put it back into their business or put it somewhere where it's safeguarded that they can use and capitalize when the right opportunities come because rookie investors always stay invested. Professional investors stay in cash and then they pounce on opportunity. And unfortunately the world of financial advising has been keeping people invested regardless of the outcomes.
0: That's very true. Okay. So people come to you more of a consultant. So they pay you because yep. we all know how financial advisors are paid, right? We get it. We are
1: them- fees on your money typically. Right. Yeah.
0: How are you guys paid? How do if I say, I want to work with you. That sounds cool. That sounds expensive because I'm not a Rockefeller, right? So get, walk us through that process. Because by the way, I want, I want you to post your book up because I'm reading this book right now. Feel free to put it up there. Yes. What would the Rockefellers do? By the way, I did do a picture. Did you see the picture I posted on Facebook that I was like, I'm reading this book I and do. it was flipped. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone gave me shit for that. But I'm like, you just got all that commercial space. Even though it was flipped, you could figure it out, right? So I didn't know how to do it. That's me being blonde, but that's okay. I gave you total commercial for it. And everyone was like, you know, typing on Facebook. You have it returned. You have it reversed. Like, okay, got it. Thank you. I have it reversed, but y'all can figure it out. All right. Anyways. So how do you guys get paid? Because I'm not a Rockefeller Love to be, but I'm not. So, like, how can I work with you guys? How does that work?
1: So, Wealth Factory. We're not fee-based. We're not commission-based. We call it a results-based tuition, backed by results. So people write us a check. Now we have everything from a weekly publication to video series that people can buy and they can consume that, or they can come to our workshops, or they can work with us one-on-one. But we only work with 125 people one-on-one per year, just because it's a pretty robust network and we tried to scale it in 2010, and candidly, we got our ass kicked. We didn't do a great job with some of the clients, and uh, it was a little bit too much, so we've we've really maintained that, but for four years, I've been building a hybrid model because Mm -hmm. I've been just turning people away, like, hey, buy our stuff online, and the problem is not everybody watches it, Not everybody doesn't have an easy time implementing it, so really, just a few months ago, we launched this thing that's called the Wealth Architecture Program, where people can actually hire us They can meet with coaches for 10 minutes a week. And then we do group sessions. And then anyone in the network, they can meet with people. My network has been training for the four years. So they don't meet with the senior accountant. They meet with the people that that person trained. So they can still get the results. They can still get the implementation. And we don't harm the level of quality and attention for our top program. Mm -hmm. So we have everything from $1,000, $3,000, $597 a month, or $10,000 down and $2,000 a month just to kind of give a wide variety. And we're just really selective that we only want to take people in that $10,000 down, $2,000 a month, that we know we can way outperform that. And our entire intention is to get them to financial independence. where they have enough income coming in, recurring, whether they show up to their office or not the next day to cover their expenses. Because yeah. once they get there, every dollar they earn above that can go to building more cash flow and building more wealth and isn't consumed by lifestyle. And it's where they can really get 10 times growth at that point.
0: Okay, so first of all, I love the fact that you had what I call variety from down to 300 all the way up to 10,000 down and 2,000 a month. That's, you're opened it up to a ton of different entrepreneurs on different levels, which is great. Do you, that,
1: are you- kicked our ass getting there, by the way. That was an expensive build out to do, but I'm glad we did it.
0: Was it an expensive lesson or was it more expensive?
1: Well, what- it was expensive from a standpoint of we had to build things before we knew how to promote them. Not that we had to, but that's just what happened. We had to acquire a big team and increase our payroll substantially. I mean, to scale, it just takes, it took a completely different set of rules. And once we figured that out, it's been very rewarding, but man, it it was definitely more stressful. I mean, when we just worked with people one-on-one, it was pretty ridiculously profitable without you know, totally consuming my life. But when we said, okay, we're gonna put together digital products, that we could reach people. Then we had to, I mean, we built our our platform from scratch. We hired a guy actually lives in Austin, Texas that used to work for Apple. And so we didn't just go with WordPress or Kajabi. I guess we just have a really high aesthetic value and, and just functional value. So we built it from scratch.
0: Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Our whole world revolves around our smartphones now. You know they say we look at our phones on an average of 150 times a day or more. Look, if you're a small business and want to grow, you need to reach people where they're looking the most. They're smartphones. So text the word START to 72000 NOW to learn more from our friends at Mobit or go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash Mobit. Again, text the word START to 72000 NOW. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood.
1: We, you know, had to really think about the, the writing behind it. We, we became a contributor for Forbes. So it took a lot more hiring in a very intentional way and also buying an existing company that had some of those capabilities, which was just a lot of money. So I'm just being really transparent because I know we have all these business owners on there and yeah. it may sound like, man, how did you accomplish that? Well, it took like a decade and it was hard as hell.
0: Thank you for your candidness. I mean like (laughs) I don't like it when people like, Oh, we built this thing. And that was easy. You know what I mean? It's like you have no clue what it takes to build anything in business. It takes a crap load. So I think of
1: business owners should get paid a lot because we deal with a lot. I mean, everything from as you grow, having to hire new people, having to let people go. I mean, before I was a New York Times bestseller, I'd never even thought about an attorney or a courtroom, but hell, I hit New York Times and someone sued me three weeks later that I think I sat down with for 20 minutes. And even though it got dismissed in summary judgment, which means it was frivolous, the bottom line was that's a success tax that you start to face, right? So it's definitely, and, and figuring out the whole deal of like how to be a dad and how to be a good husband and run a business because there was times where the business consumed me for sure.
0: Yeah, completely. I, someone asked me, I went to a, a, a little birthday party on Monday, and I didn't know anyone there. And there was a girl there. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I didn't know what to say the moment. I'm like, oh, I'm an author, speaker, and own some businesses. And she's like, what is it like to own a business? And I just wanted to look at her. I'm like, it's really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's rewarding as hell. But it's like, and it was like eight o'clock at night. I'm like, and I, I got to go. I'm only in for like an hour to say hello. And then I got to go, right? Because I was like, I have this stuff in my head. But I had to say happy birthday and hug and kiss, right? We get paid a lot because you're dealing with a lot. And sure. I agree with you on that. It's just- And completely-
1: proportionate to the value that we deliver on what we get paid. You take out the you know, little exception to the rule of people that are deception and coercion to make money. Okay, that happens and that's what unfortunately a lot of people think business is. But yes. business, there's more people employed by small business than big business by a long shot. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of the heart of the economy in a lot of ways. And I love the people that are willing to work for small businesses, especially If they're willing to abandon the time and effort economy, there's a lot of people that thought, okay, I'm going to go punch the clock. I'm there. I should get paid. And I feel like I love that. I feel the world's kind of awakened to be more entrepreneurial, that even the people that work for us, we don't really pay well from a salary standpoint, but we bonus like crazy. I mean, we had multiple, multiple people make six figures last year in our organization. And some made, you know, uh, a really good six figure income because they didn't ask for salary. They said, how can I contribute to the bottom line and participate in that? And they get part of that upside potential. But Heather, what's also cool is if we're not doing as well for whatever reason, everybody mm-hmm. participates in the downside so that they can be part of riding the ship instead of the owner taking on the entire brunt of that and the entire stress behind that. So I think moving to a production-based economy where everyone gets paid because of what they contribute, not just because they show up, is a really powerful way to kind of, you know, get a lot of people involved in an entrepreneurial mindset, even if they're working for someone.
0: Yeah, I agree. Right now, our company Skinny Beam here locally, we have two people that work for us. One's leaving. And the reason I think think one's leaving is because when she first got started, it was lucrative. You know, things were moving and shaking, everything's going. And now things have just, you know, there's some like downtime and then there's a lull. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, now it's time to step on your sales heels. Let's go. And she was like, no, I'm out. And the other person's not. He's like, how do I do this? Let's get, you know, because he feels he feels like we feel it, right? We feel that there's a downturn. I think it was a lot because the election, that's fine. There's a huge, there was a huge downturn, a huge dip. He's feeling it because we did a compensation level of a percentage of overall revenues as a team, not just him as a team. You know, so he's thinking outside the box. Well, let's hire this person because then they'll help me make more money. You know, so it's like a different kind of view versus, yeah, I just got my income. I got my check and other businesses down. I don't care. I still get my check. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to feel it and you feel it like we feel it. You know what I mean? Yes, you still make your minimum, but I mean, does that what you really want? No, <laughs> you know, so I think that's a huge piece. Let me ask you a question about, about entrepreneurs and come back around. You've been around this business a long time. You're in people's books, and say. You're in their financial statements. Why do you think, or what do you think prevents entrepreneurs specifically from being financially free?
1: They neglect to actually pay attention to their finances because of this entrepreneurial dilemma that's kind of like a treadmill. They think faster or harder or more is always better. But the problem is, look, revenue is seductive, it's sexy, it's awesome. But the bottom line is what really matters. It ain't just what you make, it's what you keep. And so instead of handling their finances, Their answer is work harder, I don't have time for it. Unfortunately, a lot of the financial professionals in the world don't understand the entrepreneur and they're trying to take money from their business, which might be premature diversification where they're pulling money out of the business that's needed for people and infrastructure and processes and automation and they're investing in something outside of that. And then all of a sudden they get into a cash flow crunch and look, every business is in, in for surprises. Financial surprises are inevitable. It's just that most of the businesses are not prepared because number one, they haven't had enough liquidity and financial professionals underemphasize liquidity, and you've gotta have a lot of access to cash because when the right opportunity comes, cash is absolutely king, and when there's a downturn, either because you have a health issue, a family issue, or anything that you're gonna go pay attention to, having that money around can be peace of mind, but it can also help pull you through, and a lot of times, people just don't address that because they feel like the money's stagnant or it's sitting around. Yes, I get that, but there's also this relationship that, yeah, there's internal return, which is what we make on our money, but there's external return, which happens because we have that money. And cash can have a high external return. Let me give some examples. If I have enough cash in the bank, I can drop short-term disability insurance. I can raise the deductibles on my car and homeowner's insurance and save money on that. And you know, I, I don't have to even have certain insurances at all, or I can change the elimination period when something kicks in in insurance because I have liquidity. People without liquidity might be paying more on insurance for those things because the most expensive insurance dollar a business owner has is the first dollar they insure. The least expensive is the higher end, the more catastrophic dollar, but that's all we really need to protect against is the catastrophic, not the inconsequential. So we have to understand there's a bigger relationship. And if you go learn from most financial retirement planners, unfortunately, they put business owners in harm's way, and this is why. They believe in this accumulation philosophy, and I'm sure that everyone's heard. You got to start early. You got to always be putting money in. And the Einstein said that compound interest was a miracle. And the thing is, the only miracle behind compound interest is that we've actually bought into it as business owners, because it takes 30 years to actually pan out if it works. If we account for fees and volatility and the opportunity cost of not having that cash in our business or being cash constrained, which ends up making us chase bad profits. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've chased bad profits before. When I launched Killing Sacred Cows, I was a little lean on the cash side because I had some real estate things going on. I was investing money in the book and I was away from the office for three months touring around telling people about the book. And guess what? I took on clients I shouldn't have taken on. I took on the CPA as a client that I knew was gonna be a pain in my ass, but I did it because I needed the cash flow. That's a huge cost to the business because number one, it hurts my confidence of people and appreciate what I'm doing. They're constantly fighting with me. They're, they're a struggle. Every time I get on the phone with them, it starts to drain energy. I mean, it's, there's a big picture to that. But I think that that's a lot of the aspects that people need to take into consideration and why they don't address their finances is because they don't go find the right professionals. They don't want to face the actual truth of what's happening. So they bury their hand in the, head in the sand and just work hard.
0: I'm one of them, right? So I'm totally one of them. I mean, I'll be honest, right? So my, and I'm just sharing the truth. My financial stories. When I was 17, I got my first 401k. Being a good girl, and even though I was waiting tables and doing different kind of job, different jobs throughout the years, I always put away my little 401k. And then I worked for big corporate America, and I was single, so I like put like the, you know, most you could, right, the highest amount you could into the 401k. And hey, when I left there, you know, they're like, I mean, I had these like what I call financial advisor vultures. They're like, you have 35,000, you can roll over now. And I was like, to what? Like, give me the cash, you know? So. I think I took the cash out, I'm not sure what I did. And then I got into real estate investing, and that's where you and I met, right? I'm pretty sure our paths crossed there. So real estate investing back from 2001, to 2007, did very well, and then boom, 2007, 2008 happened, right? Yeah. Lost it that
1: all. It faster than we thought, right? Like I thought the market was inflated. I didn't think that they were gonna pull lending lines overnight from like Countrywide and IndyMax. That was a quick torrential downfall, right?
0: People have no idea it was literally overnight and that sounds like overnight should be a year no it was literally i overnight. was
1: speaking at a mortgage event i was speaking at a mortgage event that while i was at the event and uh, you know I, I remember i introduced a couple of people i really respect like dan sullivan and roberto monaco because they were speaking it as well there were people that thought their loans had funded for their clients that had the three-day rescission period that got rescinded because the lines got pulled and two major companies There were massive, what people thought were too big to fail, went bankrupt, and the FDIC was worried about whether they could handle some of the deposit issues that were coming out because of the trickle that happened with the banks. It was insane. So that's why it's so important to have liquidity. That's why it's so important not to redline your business. That's why it's so important to pay yourself first, because we have this optimistic outlook sometimes if we have a spectacular month that that's going to happen forever. But let's face it, there's just things that could derail our attention. One of the big reasons why businesses go bankrupt is they have a parent that dies and they can't emotionally deal with that because they're so entrenched in their business that that double negative ends up really harming everything. Because, look, a lot of small businesses follow the personality of the owner. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's actually really true. Divorce, too. I know for myself in 2007, so I've went through five, I mean, I've publicly talked about this bankruptcy, foreclosure. Like, I was wiped out. Like, I had it got to a point where I didn't even have enough money to put into a bank, right? I was like, I got like 100 bucks. Like, what's the point? So I mean, I really got down to nothing. And that was scary. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Have you wanted to stop swapping your time for money? Ever wanted to leverage your expertise by selling your knowledge to hundreds of people? I call that smart. And now you can easily and effortlessly, without a web guide, create memberships, online courses, coaching programs. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. Start making money off what you know today. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. But I do remember 20, it was 2021, I started working for a financial advisor, America's Press Financial Advisors, okay? And I thought I was so smart because I'm working for a financial advisor. And so I was like, I know everything because I'm listening to him and learning what he learned and all this stuff. And of course, selling. So what he would do is he'd go in, right, to. to I started
1: as a product peddler when I was 19 years old. I did the same stuff, yeah.
0: He was a product peddler, right? He would come in with a client, and then they'd say yes, and then he would hand me—he'd hand me—I'm 20, dude—he'd hand me all this data, and then I would like, boom, boom, print out their financial plan.
1: Some pages that mean nothing to the client, right?
0: Yeah, and these guys were like 60 or 50. I remember this one particular couple—they're probably in their 50s. Right, and they're looking at, and the financial advisor never even looked at the document until they sat down with the with the client, going, well, "Let's see what it says." And it's like, "Well, this is what you should do." I'm like, "You haven't even, do you even know them?" Like, it really bothered me. And of course, they wanted to hire me to become a financial advisor, and I'm like, "I'm out of here." So, you know, then my financial happened. But I mean, now as an entrepreneur, I think for me, and this is me totally tr- being transparent, I'm a little nervous. Right, I'm a little. I'm a little nervous to like...
1: still some burn here, right? There's still some emotion that's left over. Yeah.
0: And I think other people too, I'm not the only one. And I know I'm not alone here, especially if you had a business in 2007 and eight and you're in real estate or mortgage or any of that, like it, there's a little shakiness to that. Right. And yes. I hear, hold on. And I hear this other thing, which you just said, you're too late. You're 40. You haven't done it since you were 20. You're too late. What and I'm like, true? what do it's, you do? All
1: right, so here's a couple things. Number one. There's a way to get to financial independence between three and seven years. It's these five things. Number one, we've already hinted on this first one, recover cash, boost your bottom line, keep more of what you make. That's the first thing I've called financial efficiency. The second thing, and this is critical, I think this will free you up and because it has me. Like I learned this through excruciatingly painful, bad decisions when I thought I was Midas, meaning I thought everything I did was always gonna work out. And unfortunately, why my first real estate deals did so well, not because I was intelligent. It was just good timing that I got a false sense of confidence, right? Like my first deal was a 400% return. The next deal, I put no money down and made 90 grand. I was like, oh my God, I, this is like so easy. Yeah, it was easy at that time. It wasn't easy, you know, later on. But the second thing is to strategically engineer wealth. And here's the key. Diversification is actually admission of ignorance. Diversification is not the key to wealth. Focus is much more powerful than diversification. But in order to eliminate the necessity to diversify, you first start with building your foundation. We've talked about that. Pay yourself first. You know, build up at least six months of liquidity that you can handle different events that happen in your life. If you can get to two years, you're at ultimate power at that point. And then once you have your foundation, you build safety measures, the right corporate structure, the right risk transfer structures like asset protection or estate planning. You know, all those kind of things, including maybe an umbrella policy or business owner policy to transfer risk from a liability standpoint. Then you move into growth. But when you move into growth, here's the key. People make risky investments because they're risky investors, meaning they invest in things outside of their expertise, outside of their knowledge. They don't treat it like a business and then they dabble in it and they get their asses kicked. The important thing is to invest in alignment with your investor DNA which is your core values, your core competencies, your core drivers, and then you narrow down your focus and you do what Andrew Carnegie said. You put all your eggs in one basket and watch it like a hawk. You insure it well. You make sure that you have ways to mitigate and manage risk. Part of the reason why the bank's got in so much trouble, as you know well, Heather and I know well, is because they violated their own rules. See, if someone wants to go get a mortgage right now, they have to show their taxes. They have to show their credit score. They have to have a down payment. And even then, if they don't put a big enough down payment, they get charged PMI, which is insurance for the bank. They have to pay for an appraisal, which is another way that the banks mitigate risk. So the banks have all these ways to manage risk. If you don't have a good credit score, the appraisal doesn't turn out, you don't have high enough income, they're not gonna give you a loan. But back in 2006, you could just give a stated lie and they would give you a loan. They'd give you 125% loan to value, not even, you know, it'd be negative, not even positive equity and they were just lending the money out like crazy as if it was a smorgasbord that was never gonna go wrong. They stopped strategically engineering wealth. They stopped mitigating and managing risk. So you begin with your foundation, then you go to your safety before you jump into investing, which is different than when everyone's been taught. We've been taught invest early, invest often, always invest, because that's the the key is if you start early, you could put less money away and end up with more. But people don't because they lose money with bad investment decisions, with huge fees, with frustration because they didn't have enough liquidity and they had to cash out at an opportune times to handle other things because typically when people need cash is when the market's tanking and yet that's what everyone's being taught. So the third piece is that you never invest for accumulation, you invest to create cash flow. So cash flow investing is the third piece. The fourth piece is what you're teaching. They've got to scale business revenue. If you have a business, you have a 90% higher chance to get to $5 million net worth or more. It is a huge key distinction. And then the fifth piece is to make it count, which is you take care of yourself and treat yourself as the greatest asset. You make sure that you manage your energy, you protect your confidence, and you do everything you can to enjoy life along the way rather than wait for retirement. So basically boost profits, strategically engineer wealth, accelerate investment income, scale business revenue and make it count. That's the five part formula that you can get there within three to seven years rather than 30 years and have a 98% failure rate because that's the failure rate of Americans right now being able to be financially independent at age 65, it's because they're on a broken, antiquated model instead of embracing a cash flow model and learning these five pillars I'm talking about.
0: Okay, so let's go to the five pillars again because you went so fast and it was totally awesome. And I wish I could do like a little re- DVR rewind, but I can't. So give us the five.
1: So um, the very first one is to uh, do profit boosting. Okay. Recover, recover cash flow or keep more of what you make. There's many ways to talk about it, but be efficient financially. Okay, two strategically engineer wealth which means get your foundation handled then add your safety measures and then focus on the growth as a third piece
0: okay got it okay three
1: accelerate investment income take all your lazy assets things that don't create cash flow and turn the cash flow on you said you had a 401k people could roll their 401ks to a self-directed ira And before 59 and a half, do what's called a 72T distribution and avoid the 10% penalty and start getting cash flow from an asset that otherwise was sitting around stagnant. So that's just one small example.
0: Wow. I didn't know that. I'm writing that down. Okay. Number four.
1: Scale business revenue. That's the game changer because, you know, Tony Robbins, when he wrote the, the book, Money Master the Game, does a brilliant job of helping people understand how to lower fees and how to start saving money. But as he interviewed all these billionaires, I found it fascinating that all the billionaires, whether it was Charles Schwab or Vogel, they all told everyone to do the things like, put your money in a discount brokerage account. They didn't make their money putting money in that. They made it inventing and selling that. They all made it through business. And it wasn't until you read about Mark Farber, who is the boom, doom and gloom guy in his book, who's a billionaire that said, hey, if I can only leave my kids one piece of advice, it would be find out what you're great at. He called it an insider's advantage. And he said, and build a business around that because that's the real way to making wealth. So scaling is as you grow your business, you don't grow the amount of time you're required to spend in your business to still generate revenue. And that's the uh, fourth one, scale business revenue. And then the fifth one is the make it count. Take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. Thank you for this is a lot because I of course want to read more about this. If I want to read more about the pillars, which book should I read? Or do you have a book or where can I go?
1: Well, what I would do is I would go to wealthfactory.com forward slash WF resources, WF resources. And the reason is we've got some of my best Forbes articles there. We've got some free downloads. We've got some audio. Like it's just kind of a, a smorgasbord that includes those five levers. And you can even find out about the five levers to economic independence on our website. On the other hand, you know, if you're wondering, okay, Garrett, you told me half the story. You told me pay myself first, put money in savings, and then you flash this book up in front of me. This book right here can tell you how to boost your savings account 400 to 800%. This book right here can tell you how to turn your wealth capture into wealth creation and not have to participate in the downside of the market because you've got guarantees from liability, from bankruptcy, and you have access to that cash with tax advantage before 59 and a half. Plus it tells you how the Rockefellers have moved from one generation of wealth to six generations where the Vanderbelts didn't make it past the third generation. And there was a very big distinction between the two. So if people want to grab that, look, here's the deal. You can download it at no charge at 801-369-7211. That's 801-369-7211. The code is WWRD, as in what would the Rockefellers do? WWRD. But here's the deal. If you want a physical copy of it, I'll buy you one. This costs $11.50 because it's got this really pretty nice lettering that's raised and it's matte finish and all that kind of stuff. I'll pay for that if you pay for the shipping. And then we'll actually send it out to you if you want a physical copy. Or, whether they could go to Amazon and pay 1000 bucks. That's what I'm selling on Amazon for. Are you <laughs> really
0: selling $1,000? Yeah. I,
1: just, I really want to get clear about whose hands it's getting in. And if financial advisors wanna buy it in bulk, I wanna make sure that we vetted those advisors that they're doing the right things because this book right here actually has a commission-based strategy in it. But if it's designed properly, it's gonna reduce the commission substantially rather than have it be such a high commission product. And so I just wanna know who's actually using this and are they using it for good? Or are they bastardizing it and potentially harming people? So 801-369-7211, text WWRD and follow the prompts from there. I know I go off on like a soapbox for a while, Heather. And no, you
0: did there. great. And by the way, I'm on Amazon. I had to check it. And you're right. It's actually $4,000. And I'm probably going to talk to you in the green room about that strategy right there. So that's pretty cool. And you have a t-shirt though, Give a T-shirt of what would Rockefellers do for $25. Is that you too or is that somebody else?
1: Someone someone probably went and created that and they're just, you know, robbing our traffic to they sell. They are,
0: they're robbing your traffic. You can do a what would Rockefeller do T-shirt. Whoops, not your company, so don't buy that.
1: Hey man, if, if it makes people feel good, they could buy it. I, I'm cool with it, I'm cool with it.
0: You with it. Okay, great. It's actually kind of a cool t-shirt. What would the Rockefellers do? Yeah, y'all should be able to... You should reach out to those guys and see if you can like add your logo to it at the bottom or something. They're helping you out. This is really great. I mean, I could talk to you about it all day. You guys go check him out at wealthfactory.com as well as take a bump on his offer or you can go to Amazon and buy it for $1,000. No kidding. I just... I'm cool, it. I'm
1: cool either way, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, so I, I did an interview with Paul Culligan a couple of weeks ago and he put his book out first and before, like, pre-launch. You can do that on Amazon. And he put it for $200. And it was to put it out there. It was more for him like a date, like I got to have it by this date. It was more of a, a way for him to use it as a get off his butt and do the book. But he had people buying it at $200. He's, so that he kept like raising it like, I don't really want you to buy it at two. And then finally, he's like, Oh, screw it. Y'all can buy it at $200. So it's a good strategy. You know what I mean? It's like creates that automatic. So guys, thank you so much. This is Heather Havenwood with The Win. You can check us out on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and everywhere else as well here is on Facebook. uh, Heatherhavenwood.com forward slash Facebook is where you can find my Facebook page. Thank you everyone for listening.
2: And this is Heather Havenwood. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook, when you text the word SEXY to 7200. Again, text the word SEXY, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200. And receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.